An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made. It's a different kind of fame that's not always as glamorous as it looks. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznak. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to Food News. I'm Juliette Littman. And I'm David Jacoby. Let's put 30 minutes on the clock. Let's do it. Jacoby, there's a lot to minutes. catch up on because we had a special episode last week. Yes. Shout out to producer Mike. Who I got a lot of nice feedback on it. So please, did I. please send other send nice more nice feedback to 646 Stew 138. That's our phone number. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of the show. 646 Stew S-T-E-W 138. Be part of the show. <laughs> it's the best phone number ever. <laughs> Let's start. A Florida woman is suing Velveeta. This is the most Florida story. And I just want to thank everyone for, like, everyone in the world for following the convention of Florida woman, Florida man. Like, there's no other state where it's so important to establish yes. from where this story comes. So, a woman is suing Heinz. It's a, it's a Kraft Heinz. It's now a class action suit. It's a, it was for $5 million because Velveeta Shells and Cheese says that it's ready in three and a half minutes. But, that's only the amount of microwave time. Mm. There's more time afterwards, like probably another like 90 seconds or so. No, but there's also prep. You have to add and, and stir the water. Sure, sure. And so she, she is claiming, her name's Amanda Ramirez, that um, as a result, more people are buying this. And so it's false and misleading advertising. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Okay. I learned a lot. First of all, I always thought of Velveeta as a competitor to craft. Oh, interesting. So this, is, this should be like a monopoly suit, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my first thought was like, whoa. Antitrust. Yeah, I was like, Velveeta and Kraft are the same? I always thought those were like competing mac and cheeses. But this, is, this should be a monopoly litigation, number one. Number two, my thoughts is I hate sort of the oversuing culture 
You know what I mean? Like I, that really bothers me. So, you, so you are upset about that litigiousness of our of our society? Yes, but at the same time, I'm like, she's kind of right. She's, she's kind of right. right. Here's my thing. She's suing for five million dollars, and it's it would go to consumers in Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Utah, New Mexico, this. Alaska, Iowa, Tennessee, and Virginia. Is it worth it for anyone to do this? Like, how much money could anyone possibly? How do be you getting? get on the list? I, I don't know. It's like one of those class actions. Like, did you, like, did you ever get an email or like something in the mail that's like, if this happened to you, sign here in return. I don't know. It's also like Aaron Brockovich for, for macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like, are they going door to door? Aaron Makovich? John Malkovich? <laughs> um, I just was like, I can't believe a law firm took this on. It's obviously just for marketing and like PR because the dollars are so small for the amount of people involved. It's like ridiculous. Oh, new segment. Judge Juliet. Snap judgment. It's, it's, what happens? Court, um, go. They lose. Okay. Good job. <laughs> gavel. Bang. Add the gavel in post. Next. Let's move on. Love this one. Okay. I saw this in the New York Times. Jacoby now subscribes to the New York Times. Yes. So presumably he read it as well. I did. I clicked right on it. It opened up. No problem. I'm so glad to hear it. Um, UNESCO, which is part of, the, part of the UN, which was like preserves cultural heritage across the world. I mostly know about it from Top Chef going to UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Like okay. that's the main function. So they they declared that the French baguette is now officially granted world heritage status. And then the New York Times has like a pretty lengthy article. Pretty lengthy is an understatement. About this. And my only question was, okay, like what does that do for the baguette and for the country of France? Because the whole way the article is positioned as like France is struggling, tough economic times. Mm. The baguette is so important to French culture, but it's losing its its grip on being synonymous yeah, with the bakeries the French. are closing. All Tur of it. Turns out this does literally nothing. Okay. There's one takeaway from this article that I had. Just one. Okay. And one only. Okay. The baguette, one of its functions was that you rip it to pieces and don't use knives. And that helps <laughs> the French culture because it stops knife fights between rival factions in the subways. Just think about that sentence I just put into this microphone. I mean, I was just thinking it's a very New Yorker perspective, but I like it. It's in the article. Sure. It's in the article. <laughs> I was just like, first of all, the baguette was around way before the subway was around. Way before, yeah. Way before it. And I don't think that they're like, you know what? Let's not stab each other because we have these, this delicious bread. Um, I think there's a lot of ways to have like some some sneaky, really negative takes. And like, I also also think that there's like, I'm like, is this trying to preserve, like, a version of France that, like, does it even need to be preserved? Like, France has become more multicultural. Like, why does the baguette need to be, like, the official mm. food of France? Or, like, I don't know. I was just I was just thinking, like, this does so little as the quotes at the end reflected. Like, the like the, like the the bakers were just like, okay, cool. cool. Maybe now, I'll raise the price of my baguette. Thanks for the email. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> what does that do for me? I don't think this functionally does nothing. But I want to get your quick baguette takes. Okay. Um... One of my favorite things about going to France is buying baguette and eating yes. a ton of cheese. So I'm very pro. Very pro. I liked how this article noted that it's like a, a it's a bread associated with a higher class because it goes stale really quickly versus a bigger size, different size loaf that can last longer. Mm. Um, I agree. Baguettes are like only good when they're freshly baked. Like they're good for one day. Yes. They're, they're too big and they're too big to eat in one day if you're un unless you're like having a marathon the next family. day. Or carbo you know I mean? Yeah, but they, I, I sure. look at it I, like that didn't even occur to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um my my wife spent some time in France. I visited her there like one of our things like you know four o'clock, five o'clock on your way home, you grab a baguette and that incorporating the dinner. It's very French. It's very perfect. But 
Daily French life is awesome. A bad baguette is bad. Yeah, like a, like one that like hurts your teeth. Yeah, the, yeah, they're like a little too crunchy and there's not enough middle. Like I think that like a good baguette is really good, but there's a wide spectrum of my enjoyment of a baguette. My ideal way to eat a baguette is to eat the inside like almost plain or with butter and then use the crusty outside as like for the cheese. cheese. vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, great call. Ugh, I just love cheese so great much. Call. You know who else loves cheese? The fucking Biden White House. Did you see what the state dinner menu is? <laughs> of course I did. Oh, my God. So last night they had a recording on Friday, by the way, which we almost never do. Welcome back, Jacoby, to America. Um, <laughs> what? What? It's fr- so it was last night. It's in real time. Um, the the Biden uh, administration had its first state dinner in mm. a return to pre-pandemic form. And the menu was very heavy on cheese because it was a French... Um, American state dinner. Yes. And looked like a good menu. I was also like more interested in the celebrities that went, which I read about this morning on... Like 200 or 300 people, right? Yeah. I mean, Too many people for dinner. If, if like well, six is kind of like my Ameri- limit. I don't know why I'm asking. Have you seen The American President? No. It's a great movie. There's a big state dinner in that. So it gives you a good feeling of what it's Did like. Did Nora Ephron write it? <laughs> um, no, it's an Aaron Sorkin movie. It's okay. really good. I like Sorkin stuff. Actually. I'm just going to read this off. So there's a whole, there's like this whole long menu. And then there's just a cheese section. I love the cheese section. It's by the awesome. Way. I so can do it from memory. Butter poached Maine lobster, American Ocitra caviar, pass, delicata squash raviolo, tarragon sauce. Well, I guess that's probably like all together. Um, Calote of beef, shallot marmalade, triple cooked butter potatoes, sunchoke and creamed watercress, red wine reduction. And then we get to the cheeses. The American artisanal cheese course features three outstanding and award-winning cheeses. Rogue River Blue. Sounds great. Cypress Grove Humboldt Fog. It's a soft, ripened goat cheese. Mm. And the Deer Creek Cheddar Cheese from a small family-run creamery in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. These all sound awesome. They sound great. I want every fancy dinner that I go to to have a cheese course. I also feel like it's a really good representation of the, the best cheeses. Yeah. And the variety of cheeses that we have. Absolutely. And I like how they're, you know, finding common ground between France and the U.S. through and cheese. The flowers were red, white, and blue. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm on board. <laughs> All right. Next. More French news. It's France week, apparently. <laughs> it's week. Maybe this means they're going to win the World Cup. I mean, you know. Mbappe look great. We can't, can't rule it out. I was like, this is a great reason to just wear my PSG stuff, stuff right now. Um, anyway. Some of your best stuff. <laughs> I almost wore one to work today. France is a great article from Food and Wine. I'm just, the, the headline, honestly, is just to die for. French court rules employee can't be, a fi- can't be fired for avoiding office drinking culture. In France, you don't have to attend work seminars with, quote, very large quantities of alcohol, close quote, if you don't want to. Basically, a guy who chose to not be named because he was, like, so concerned, mm-hmm. named Mr. T, claimed that he was fired from Not his- to be confused with Mr. T from the 80s. Correct. This is just a Different pseudonym. Guy. yeah. It's like a John Doe, Mr. T. He uh, was fired from his Paris-based consulting firm, and it was in 2015. And he claims that while they said it was professional incompetence, it was because he was uh, unwilling to join the company's, quote, fun culture, which according to court documents, including seminars and weekends events featuring very large quantities of alcohol, resulting in the encouragement of excessive alcoholism, along with promiscuity, bullying, and incitement incitement to various excesses. Sounds illegal. It sounds illegal, but it also sounds like every single like workplace function in the history of workplace function. It's like we've all deal with this. We're not all French consultants in Paris, but we all deal with the like line between like drinking with your friends is different than drinking with your colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. We all deal with that. Like we all like it's Christmas party season, right? Sure. Don't do it, everybody. <laughs> Just don't do it. 
Do not do it. Don't I be know. the person from just, the Christmas party. Also, employers, just have a nice lunch. Bring in a yeah. good meal. Give people, like, I don't know, just something that they actually want. Doesn't have to be an over-the-top party with too much alcohol. Yeah. Just a nice, pleasant affair to show your thanks It's not for the everyone. 80s anymore. <laughs> you, know? I, you know, I was actually thinking, like, I don't wish it was. I was like, I also don't like compulsory fun. So I'm sort of like, <laughs> I would I would be like, this is important. <laughs> we had some great Grant Land Christmas parties, though. Legendary. Oh, my God. With the bartender who looked like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yes. Who liked to over-serve everyone. Yes. <laughs> I still just think of him as like, oh, Aaron Rodgers was our bartender. <laughs> it might have been him. We don't know. <laughs> Next, more booze news. Budweiser famously cannot sell uh, their beer at the various stadiums in Qatar for the World minutes. Cup. And so they have said they are giving away the beer to whoever wins, inciting a lot of jokes because anyone like apparently outside of America doesn't like Budweiser. That didn't even occur to me. Huh. Oh, I thought it was the opposite. They're like Budweiser is like a like a treat because it's like a it's a it's a no in, it's in, no no oh. it is owned by a European company now yeah. like InBev but like the, a lot of the response to the tweet was like uh, who wants this or like now it's now you have a reason for not winning the World Cup so I don't know I guess like Germany's in the clear they can have their German beers I just came from the World Cup how was it Cutter is amazing cool and uh, there was opportunity for alcohol consumption. At the games? At the matches? Excuse me. I was lucky enough to be in some of the hospitality situations, and in there you could. But they just don't sell it to, like, the stands. I see. You can't, like, have a drink while you're, like, watching the game in Um, the stands. That sounds too bad. If you're the—let's say you win the World Cup. Mm -hmm. And then Budweiser says, here's two million bottles of World Cup-themed Budweiser. What good does that do your country? It's got to be so much more than two million. I mean, whatever, 10 million, whatever it is. So like, much, yeah. Also, like, um, when we use the term bodega way too much in this show, but my local bodega in my old house was selling Christmas-themed beer, like, through the summer. You know what I mean? Like, they have special cans of, like, Bud Light with, like, Santa on it. It was kind of like, this doesn't feel right. And I feel it'd be the same way. Like, the World Cup will have been, been done for six weeks, and then all of a sudden, you'll be, like, at the store being like, thank you for this World Cup-themed Budweiser. I just hope they're, like, doing some, you know, temperature control because I don't want skunked Budweiser beer in four months. Oh, you're definitely getting that. Ugh. Sounds gross. I don't even know, like, how It's sitting in a warehouse in Cutter right now that is probably not (laughs) air-conditioned. Well, I don't want that beer. I hope it didn't have special branding on it. It Oh, it definitely has special branding on it. I've seen it. It looked... Had a couple myself. It looked sort of regular, but I don't know. Anyway... I guess good luck to whoever wins or congratulations. I I don't know. I just think it's funny that like Budweiser is the sponsor. It didn't even occur to me that it's like a really American brand. I mean, but it is. It's obviously it is, but it's it was it has its roots in like Belgium. No, it doesn't. It started in um, St. Louis, but then but then are you sure? I'm positive. Yeah, Anheuser Busch started it, and that's like the St. Louis beer thing. And then a few years ago, InBev bought it. Then how come in 2008, when in the knockout stages? Remember, we went to Tom's Urban in downtown LA. Yes, because that wasn't 2008, because we were not working at 2012. Grand yes. Fair. It was 14. I'm positive. Okay, yeah, you're positive. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Anyway, they were playing Belgium, and we were like, we can't drink Budweiser because it has because it was there. Because it was bought by InBev, which is based oh, in Europe. Oh, okay, good for us then. <laughs> also, I don't think I said that. I don't think I cared. <laughs> um, but I will say I've really been enjoying the World Cup. Me too. I just like I love waking up when there's sports on. I'm like, this is great. I don't need to like pick something in the background right now. Just yeah. fire and up the also, game. Soccer, great background sport. Great background great sport. Great background sport. If you have it on in the background. You just have to be attuned to the announcer's excitement level. 
Because when they start getting excited, you turn your head towards the television. The only negative is uh, here in America is that the announcers are mostly American. I don't watch soccer for American voices, just to be clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was out there, it was all British voices. Yeah. It, it makes it so much better. And they exactly use words. Their vocabulary is wild. It's so much better. And also, uh, having watched a lot of Formula One, I'm like used to it now. All right, next. We have a Formula One story. We have, we do. Um, before that, in the Bay Area, there was a eight-hour traffic lockup because a big rig full of shrimp caught on fire on the bridge that goes across the San Francisco Bay at like one of the southern points, basically connecting the East Bay and the peninsula. Disaster. A huge thing. The whole article was not about the potential deaths. The, you know, it was all about the traffic mix up. This is like a definitely a traffic problem. All about the traffic. I mean, hopefully no one was injured. I don't think they were because we would have heard about it. Yeah, multi-car accident. Multi-car accident. But I think everyone's okay. Everyone lived. But yeah, eight hours of traffic. I will say Bay Area is very hard to get around. That yeah. bay. Yeah, talk to me about this as someone who's lived there because I've, I don't know what this bridge was. So is. there's like a few different bridges across like the, the San Francisco Bay. And this is like the most Southern one. So people who live in the East Bay, like Berkeley, Walnut Hills, yes. Alameda, Oakland, et cetera, to go to like your job at Facebook, you you might be taking this bridge basically. Okay. And so it's a huge problem. And there's no, there's not really like BART down there. So you can't really take public transportation if you live, if you like work in the East Bay and you need to get to work um, on the peninsula or vice versa. So it actually is like a very big problem. So do you remember the uh, Glizzy disaster that we discussed that is, will ever sort of affect I've, our I lives I haven't had a hot forward? dog since. Yeah. Exactly. I have not either. <laughs> I'm not, I, had, I had a couple in Detroit. <laughs> However, this is kind of the opposite of that. It's like barbecue shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you look at the, the what, I, what I'm referring to is a previous episode. We had a a hot dog filling truck crash, and then the hot dog filling spilled all over everything. And it was one of the grossest visuals I've ever seen. But like eight tons of burning shrimp smells delicious. I was there's a part of me that's kind of like that's that's kind of nice. I have a different take, which is I was on the way to work this morning. I was walking down Flatbush, and some uh, I think this bar. Uh, I don't want to name it because this is not something that I found enticing, but a bar or like a restaurant was having their like morning delivery of, um, what do they call it on um, Below Deck? The snaps are back. When, <laughs> when the food arrives, provisions. Provisions, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was watching Below Deck last night. They had provi- the, the, the interior was not helping with provisions. Oh they my were God. pissed. They overordered wine. It was a problem. Well, the provisions arrived to this restaurant slash bar in Flatbush and it was like a bunch of boxes of frozen shrimp. And I was just thinking, like, ugh, I, if I went to this restaurant and ordered shrimp, I don't, I wouldn't want to have the visual of the box of shrimp arriving at like nine a.m. No. It was really gross. Yeah, you could probably eat that shrimp in like February too. Yeah, and like the and like I, I understand that like there's a lot of science that goes into like you know freezing fish yes. or whatever, but like yeah. it's not it's coming just, from the seaport every morning like it's <laughs> 1935. I wish it was though. <laughs> yeah, I have like more and more reasons to be a vegetarian is what I'm saying. Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, this was resolved. I hope everyone's okay. Traffic, I think, traffic many, goes Many on. meetings were canceled that day <laughs> in San Francisco. Seriously. Next, uh, I was watching J-Lo's um, 73 Questions video. Vogue does this series where they go to someone's house and it's like this guy's voice. He asks 73 questions. Um, that seems like a lot. It was 73 questions? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like fast paced. It's like, how are you today? Good. What'd you have for breakfast? What is, what is the one thing that you can't live without? Like, it's My like family. a whole bunch of things, right? So 
I'm watching the video. I'm obsessed with J-Lo and Ben Affleck. I, like, follow everything they do. I take in all of their media. So, obviously, I, like, you know, found... But, Ju- but Juliet hooks into, like, a person or a celebrity or a topic. I go hard. She goes so hard. I go so hard. It's one of my favorite things about you. That's really nice. So, I found... I was watching, and I, I had to do a double take. Because here is... Here is the most important 20 seconds of the video. Um, it's made me who I am. And what was your go-to order at the bodega? My go-to order at the bodega was ham and cheese on a roll with an orange drink, if you know, you know, and a small bag of chips. I mean, first of all, love the question, Vogue. Thank you so much. Um, Ham and cheese on a roll, lettuce, tomato, mayo is my go-to order at the bodega. She didn't mention that part. I know. Was it implied? I think that the mayo is implied. I just feel like a bodega sandwich by default comes with mayonnaise. That's just, <laughs> that's matter, bodega peanut, life. Peanut butter and jelly. There's like, you see the guy start spreading mayonnaise. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, Absolutely. sure, I'll go with it. Yeah, I yeah. just feel like any deli meat sandwich at a bodega has mayonnaise. So I don't find this to be that odd of an order. No, it's not. Okay, good. Because I thought you were going to like dig in and... and no. Like, no, I think it's very normal. I love it. This yes, is my good. order. Okay, I, good. Orange drink I don't order, but like I know what she's talking about. It's yes. like an it's like an off-brand or like, you know, yeah, orange juice. It's, a, it's, it's like an, uh, it's like bug an uncarbonated... Yeah, it's like a sunny of, yeah, D kind yeah. of thing. It's like those little jugs yeah. you peel the top off. Yeah, it's great. And a bag of chips. So I'm just like, this is... This is why I love J-Lo. Very normal order. It's like, yes, this is bodega life. Ham and cheese on a roll. It's, yes. That's it's just a how great it is. lunch right there. I don't know. I just like, this made me so excited. <laughs> okay, good. I thought, because, you know, we prepped for the show. I thought you were going to like criticize this no. order. There's a part of me that's like, this is a very normal order. I hope it's that perfect. she has more in the sandwich besides just ham and cheese. I think it's like implied there's like lettuce and onions and salt and pepper and the things that add flavor. I would like to know the last time Jennifer Lopez had processed deli meat. That's my next question. If I was doing this, I'm just like, J-Lo looks amazing. J-Lo treats her body like a temple. She's the consummate performer and professional. Yes. I just don't think she's having processed deli meat anymore. Not either. But I would love to know if she was. One time Ghostface Killer, who I love, was like, don't eat cold cuts. And I was like, oh man, Ghostface. <laughs> I'm going to eat cold cuts. I apologize. They're so delicious. I, they're I'm really sure bad they're bad for you. For you. I'm really sure they're bad, bad for you. you. I know there's preservatives and salt and sodium and all that other stuff, but they're really good. I do also really, I love. Also the only sept- acceptable form of turkey. Yeah. Like heavily processed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I completely agree. Shout out to J-Lo. All right. Next. Should we talk about Lewis Hamilton? Did this, did yes. this dinner make it onto your... I care about awareness? what you care about. Okay. You know, and I know that you really care about this. Okay, thanks. I don't even know who this driver is they were saying goodbye to, but I do well, like this story because it involves a lot of things that you love. It does. Let me name them. Number one, Formula One. Yes. Ten minutes. Friendships. Yes. Food. Yes. <laughs> I was, so, of course, we're going to talk about this. And also, I support like, you. specifically, like, off-track, off-court friendships, like... You know, friendships. I just, yeah, I you lo- love I friendships. Love I love friendship. It's it's true. Sebastian Vettel is a beloved uh, Formula One driver from Germany. He is retiring. He wasn't like always as beloved. He was kind of an asshole, but like he's got really good values. He's like a really good driver. He's funny. People love him. His last race was two weeks ago, the final race of the 2022 season in Abu Dhabi, or as the British say, Abu Dhabi. And <laughs> the night before the race, all 20 drivers went out for dinner, and Lewis Hamilton paid. And then there was a rumor going around that the dinner for these 20 people cost $140,000. What? 
But it was then debunked. However, I think people think this is real because on the race the next morning, one of the announcers, Paul DeResta, like referenced it like it was real. So like the announcer who himself is like a Formula One insider has made it clear or, or tried to like imply that the 140 was real. Lewis did pay, which I love. I love that Lewis- He got it. You know what I mean? Well, like I also, anyone can afford $140,000 dinner. It's Lewis these Hamilton. guys are so- cocky and arrogant like to be a race car driver you have to be like any professional athlete but especially one where like you could die all the time and it's like so fancy and you're traveling constantly and it's such it's such a way to stunt on everyone I absolutely love it I love that Lewis finds ways to stay winning um even when the what even though Mercedes and the Broncos do not so Mercedes and the Broncos yeah he's a co-owner of the Broncos oh the Broncos, that's tough. Russell Wilson's having Honestly, a tough season. I can't think of two people better suited for each other than Russ and, and Lewis. <laughs> that's I, amazing. I, I just, don't even know what that means, but it's amazing. They're both like relentlessly positive in a way that I'm sure the people around them find yes. really fucking annoying and then yell at you like off, off camera. Off what break. I loved about this is they're like, God, it was fun. Yeah. Like, we all got together. We had dinner. We laughed. We shared stories. He made a speech. They're like, we should do this more often. There's a lot of hatred among among the drivers. But then they also, you know, but then they're like colleagues. So it's like any professional sport. All right. Next. Pepsi is trying to own something here. Pepsi announced, or they had Lindsay Lohan do a tweet or be in their tweet about drinking pilk, which is pilk. Pepsi and milk. Yes. Which we covered on this podcast. That's a dirty soda dirty invented soda. by the state of Utah. Yes. Pepsi trying to own it. If I were a Utahan and is I was... Utah? Yeah, I think so. Ute? I, what about Ute? Uh, like the, no. I don't, you, well, I don't know. probably Ute, Utahn. You're I think always right. Ute, I'm always wrong. So the Ute, the Ute. I know this from Crossroad Puzzles. The Ute tribe is what Utah name is based on. Oh, um, but uh, I think they're now called Utahns. Whatever. Okay. Utah invented the dirty soda. Yes. A couple things about this. I didn't realize they're like uh, because Mormons don't drink alcohol or hot beverages. I was like, wait, what? I get the first one. But the second, no hot beverages? Um, I thought they don't drink caffeinated beverages. It said hot beverages right there in the article. Like you can't have a cup of tea, a little well, chamomile tea before bed, a little sleepy time. That's weird. Although I haven't ever seen Lisa Barlow have a tea, so it might be real. It's odd. Lisa, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. On The Real House of Salt Lake. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking Mrs. about. Mrs. Big Gulp. Yes. Big Gulp. She yes. fucking loves her soda. Um, I'm going to have to look into that. I'm going to ask Tyson. Uh, Tyson Apostle from the Pod of Spoken on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. He was on Survivor. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Well, this leads us into our taste test. Yes. Let's do it, Jacoby. So you picked up some Pepsi. We have some milk here. You're so o- what do you think? It is it one to one? I was wondering about that. No, I don't think so. I think it's probably like two to one. More Pepsi More than milk? More Pepsi than milk. Right, copy that. I haven't like drank straight milk in so long. Why not? Uh, I'm not an infant. And <laughs> so <laughs> I just like, if it was the ratio is anything different, I don't know if I could drink it. Now, I'm expecting to like this. Like, I don't know why I wouldn't. You know, like uh, because it's milk and Pepsi. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I mean, I would never ever do this in like the natural world. Well, I we talked about this, but I love like an ice cream float, which is kind of similar when you let the oh, milk point. melt when you let the ice cream melt into the milk. So, cheers! Cheers! Let's try some pilk. I'm excited. Shout out to Lindsay Lohan. I like that she's involved. You you do sip first. It tastes great. It's like a little bit thicker than than usual Pepsi. And it tastes like Pepsi. Yeah, that fucking works. It's really good. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I did not expect, you know what? Are you crying? No. You look like you're crying of happiness. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I love like a root beer float. Same. Or a Coke float. And I didn't associate those with this. Yeah. But it's just kind of like a light Coke float. Yeah. And we put this two, is good. We, we, we put 2% milk in. Imagine we put it in whole milk. I mean, this is delicious. Well, some of their recipes involve some heavy cream. Yes. My my college roommate, one of my closest friends, Claudia, I know that she's a dirty soda fan. So shout out to Claudia. Shout out to Claudia. She'll, she can give us some other tips on this. Um, all right. Shall we move on to personal food news? Yes. Can I just ask you some questions? Because you just got back from a place I've never been. I was just curious, like, what was the what was the food situation like in Qatar? All right. Personal food news. I was in Qatar for the World Cup. One of the reasons um, my voice is kind of scratchy is because of the U.S.-Iran game. Mm where I yelled my face off for 90 minutes and I haven't been the same since. However. What did you, so you didn't yell during um, halftime? No. Okay. No. I was chilling. I actually had a couple of beers at halftime. What, what about yeah. stoppage time? <laughs> did you yell then? <laughs> there were 10 minutes of stoppage Sorry, time. Sorry, I'm being so annoying. After the game I did, yes too. <laughs> Um, I don't know actually, why I only yelled during the goals, but I yelled so much I had to sit down because I got lightheaded. <laughs> That's how old I am now. I was like, yeah. And I was like so much air coming out of me that there's like none left inside of me. I got lightheaded and I had to sit down. Oh, I'm so old now. But the food situation, you think Middle East, Qatar, they have this. Um, Meza plates, uh, you know, kebabs and lamb and like the tradi- lots of lamb, the traditional like Middle Eastern stuff. What I was not ready for 
was all the Indian food and mm. Asian food that they had there. Right. Well, it's a big it's a big melting pot. Exactly. A lot of migration. So one of the things I loved about it was all the Indian food that I have. I'm a big Indian food person. I, did, I expected to go there and have like Middle Eastern food, but it was there's a lot of Sri Lankan food, which is a lot like Indian food, but like with a little twist. A lot of Indian food, a lot of Asian food. Like at the breakfast buffet, they have like shumai mm. and like noodles. Like it's just a lot of Asian and Indian influence that I was not ready for, which I really, really enjoyed. Interesting. Um, this is a good segue into my personal food news, Great. which is I didn't think I liked Indian food that much. I just was like never really found what? my Indian food happy place. What? I don't like what? It's because I don't like Oh, spicy. Well, I can't have spice. I so I went to Gup Shop. Have you heard of that place? No. It was pretty good. It was on 18th Street near Union Square. I think it was on 18th. And I had like just an amazing, um, what's the name of the spinach dish? Oh, sog paneer. Sog paneer. And I was Love like, sog paneer. That's a go-to. So, Every time so I eat Indian, the sog paneer is happening. It was so good. Not and that spicy. Not spicy at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So it was sometimes like, it is. It was a happy place for me. And in general, I was just like, I've been clo- I've been too close-minded in how I how I view some cuisines. And so now I'm like, I'm gonna try all the things I thought I didn't like. If you go to an Indian food with one other person and you get And they know what to order. You get a dosa, you get chicken tikka, and you say, Don't make it spicy, and you get a sog and say, Don't make it spicy, you'll be so happy. And garlic naan, you'll be so happy. I know you would love it. I mean, I'm sure I would too. I just like I don't know what I've been doing. I'm embarrassed. Also, I'm like, what's wrong with me? This is like, you know, I think by I think by population alone, Indian food's probably the most like There's popular two food billion in the world. people in India, yeah. so that's and one quarter they, of the people on the earth. And so then I mean, all the people are, who have migrated minutes. to different continents: yes. North America, Africa, yeah, Europe, yeah, yeah. the UK. Like it's kind of. Cr- I was just like, "What's wrong with me? Like this is a, completely on me. This is uh, this is a personal flaw." So anyway, one of few. I'm, I'm one back of few. in. One of few. Um, let's go to listener food news. Let's hit it. Hi, my name's Allison. I'm from Iowa. Um, I am a gigantic food news fan. I've been listening back from the Grantland days. Um, when I heard it was coming back, it truly was like Christmas morning. So nice. For me. So Thank you. Love you guys. I just want to start off by saying how much I love this podcast. And I loved the sushi episode. Um, Thank and you. And got me thinking. I have two very young kids, a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And oh, dear. I don't get to go out to eat, like ever. So we do do takeout a lot. So I guess my question for you guys is what type of restaurant, what type of food is best to eat in restaurant and not for takeout? I want to get your guys' feedback on that so that I can plan our next date night. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you so much. That's really nice of her. I just want Shout to, to Allison. I think it might be sushi. I actually... It I, is sushi. Sushi is the best because like you want that freshness and... Just like even for five minutes when it's sitting in the container, it's not the same. So I, I think it's, I definitely think it's sushi. I'm also going to go burger and fries. Oh, yes. I'm going to say, you know what? You know what? I'm going to see your sushi and raise you burger and fries. Oh, interesting. Imagine getting a burger and fries like DoorDash Ugh. or whatever. And it's just like the fries aren't crisp anymore. Like cold fries are the worst. I'd say burger and fries to me would be the number one. Like you kind of have to eat it in restaurant fresh. 30 seconds. This is also like a really personal opinion, but, um, soup dumplings being delivered I get so stressed by like if the oh, yeah. if the dumpling is absorbing the soup, soup and I don't yeah. want it to like do you... <laughs> the word stressed I love I do though <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like I get so stressed not disappointed or concerned no, it's like it's I get stressed. stressed about this I want, I want, I'm paying for this I want it to be the way that I like it I want to say Allison spring money on a babysitter Go have a date night. Sushi. I yeah. always say, while the, it's very important to raise the children it's also important to cultivate the relationship that created those children Do you always say that? No, I don't. I have no idea if Allison's even like with her man. <laughs> so who knows? 
Well, thank you for calling. Thank you What's all for number? listening. It is 646-STU-138. Are we going to start saying it that way all the time now? S-T-E-W-138. 646-STU-138. Oh, I already fucked up. Anyway, thank you to Mike Wargon and Carlos Chiraboyga for producing this episode. We'll be back next week. Next week.